Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. And we're going to start, and and as we do this, I want to talk to people who are listening online right now. It's great to have you. And a lot of the things we talk about are going to be, especially for people who might be listening online today. So I'm going to refer to you a couple times, and I just want you to be ready for that. And now, as we go to a place to experience grace and truth, a place for grace and truth, uh, let's go to the first fill-in right away. And that is, as you are looking for a place, or as people just in general are looking for a place where they belong, here are a few questions they ask themselves. First of all, as I go there, do people look like me? Do they look like me? Do I I belong there? And so, if maybe you're trying out a place, let's say you go downtown and you want to see a new place, that maybe you might just stay outside for a little bit to see what the people walking in and out look like. That might maybe you say, oh, that's a little bit of a younger crowd. I don't know if that's for me. Or maybe it's a little bit of an older crowd. Or maybe it's just right. And then, uh, then I'll go in there and say, yeah, this is more of a place for me. Maybe I'll look at it from the outside and I'll, I'll drive by and say, you know what? I, d- I don't know. Or maybe I'll be driving by and I'll see a place catches my eye and I'll say, that's where I want to go. I think that might be a place for me by looking at it. The next one is, do people act like me? And so in that action, it might even be dressing as well. It could be, uh, what are the things that they are doing there? What is the activity that is going on? Is this something I want to be part of or not? And then the, the last one might be the most important is, what do I gain by going there? What do I gain by going there? And I tried to put myself in the position of someone who might be going through this by thinking about places in my life that maybe I'm trying to figure out if it's a place for me. And so the first one, I have a picture of something that's coming to Levine, I think. Oh my goodness, Sprouts is coming. Okay, first question I need to ask is, how many of you have been to Sprouts before? Okay, you can put your hand down. Those of us who have never been to Sprouts, and I haven't, What we think about people who go to Sprouts is that you hop in your Subaru Outback uh, and you go there to buy granola in bulk and then you, after you have your flannel on, you you drive to the tree-hugging party that you're going to later that day. (laughs) There you go. All right. So now... Please don't write on your communication card, don't be down on Sprouts, you need to go there, okay? It's, it's less than a quarter mile from my house. Um, I'm going to try it out, okay? But, but as I was looking at that, I, I'm, I'm doing what people online might be doing right now. And that is before I went to Sprouts, I went and looked online. And it made me question whether it is a place for me, first of all, because I don't recognize any of the brand names. I didn't see Hostess there anywhere. Uh, anyways. But one thing I did do is I read their mission statement, and this is what it says. We believe healthy living is a journey, and every meal is a choice. 
We love to inspire, educate, and empower every person to eat healthier and live a better life. I like that. That to me, that, that as I'm someone who's, you know, I am considered, you know, worried about my health a little bit. So yeah, that, that intrigues me a little bit. It makes me lean in. So then I went to About Us. And I found out that really the, the basis of this goes back to a, a family that had a, a fruit and vegetable stand in San Diego is how it started. They started by having this stand and then it slowly evolved and, and then it became known as, uh, they, they started with Healthy Living for Less was the name of it. And then in 2002, I didn't even know it started in Chandler. And, and you realize they came together and, and that this Sprouts has been slowly getting bigger and bigger and has been getting traction uh, wherever they go. Now, I read some more and it said that they have natural and organic uh, fruits and vegetables. Just so you know, that, that to me is code for higher price, um, that that's what that means. But then I went and I, I, I did a, comp- a search, but I didn't do it on their website. I went independent. And, and what really intrigued me was this, is that they, they studied from the, the grocery store I go to, and they said, on an average, their produce is 25% less in price and, and better quality than maybe what I'm getting. And as important as health is to me, Cheapness uh, trumps that every day of the week. And so all of a sudden they're speaking my language and making me realize maybe there is a small place for me there. Now, so we have this and, and we have more places coming to Levine. This one's coming like in the next week or so, but the next one is already here. And I don't know if you've seen this one or not. This is 51st Avenue and Southern. It's right behind the, the Burger King. And uh, the first time we drove by it, my, my son looked at it and said, oh, it's soul food, it must be Korean food. And it's like, no, there's no E in it, not soul food. And, and it got me thinking, I'm just, this is just being honest, I don't necessarily even know what soul food is or, or what it means. And so, the, the definition in the dictionary is um, traditional Southern African-American food, okay? So now, as I look at this, is there a place for me, I went on the, the website, and Charlie May, who's, who's the one who runs it, evidently had all her family over uh, when she took the pictures, and uh, as I looked at it, it, it just made me, these people don't necessarily look like me. But they do have Uber Eats, so I could always order out and have them bring it to my house. So then I I thought, what is soul food? And they have, soul food would include black-eyed peas, candied yams, mac and cheese. Are you kidding me? I I guess I do eat soul food. Um, Greens, cornbread, crab cakes, and then the, the entrees would be fried chicken, fried fish, fried catfish, fried pork, Chitlins, just so in case you don't know, that's pig intestine. So chitlins, um, fried green tomatoes, fried green beans, fried bologna sandwich. Uh, these people will fry anything and, and serve it. And, I'm, and as much as it doesn't appeal to the healthy side of me, I think I'm a kindred spirit with them with what they eat. 
And so what's in it? What do I have to gain by going there? Another 10 pounds, man. So, <laughs> so maybe I'm in. Okay. We, we understand this. This is what is happening right now. This is the age we live in, that if there are people right now, a place for me, what I'm going to encourage them to do probably from now on is watch this message series. To go back to crosswalkphoenix.com, cwlk.church, uh, both of those go to the same site, and listen to this to understand who Crosswalk is. Because as we look at that, there's a difference between sprouts and fries and and there's another one coming called Aldi, which is the ultimate in cheap food. And so, but the point is, is they don't try to be what they're not. They make what they call a brand and they stick to it. And one of the things that we need to, to develop here and make sure we understand completely at Crosswalk is what our, for lack of a better word of saying, what is our brand? And, and part of that maybe you have heard before. We try to be a church that unchurched people like to attend. We want to make fully developed followers of Jesus Christ, and part of that is going to be your worship. Part of it is growing in your faith. Part of that is serving. Part of that is being together around other people. And the final part is reaching out and, and sharing what you have. But the third part of who we are that, that makes us distinctive among church bodies is the emphasis we have on grace and truth. It can also be called law and gospel, but, but it's this, this tension that we have in our teaching that we are not afraid to talk about what's wrong in the heart of a person and in your heart and in my heart, and it's called sin, and all of us have it and are affected by it. And we also recognize that we have the cure found in Jesus Christ and forgiveness for that. And so as we look at it, it's important that when we begin to find out if there is a place for you here, we're going to look at who you are, but also who we are, and see if it's a match. We go to, to the notes, and the first passage, actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the whole thing. I know it's not all together, so if you want to look on your sheet, I'm just going down. All of these verses are found there, but they won't be on the screen. Uh, it's John 8. At dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now that, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing them. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. And he stooped down again and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard it began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left and the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? No one has condemned you. Or who has condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. 
All right, we go back to that beginning part, and that's where Jesus is in the temple courts. They, they gather around him, and he begins to teach them. Let's do the fill-in right away. If, if you want to come here, if you want to be at Crosswalk, this is going to be a place to meet God. A place to meet God is gathering with others to hear the words of Jesus. Again, that's what Crosswalk University, I already mentioned that, is all about. The Bible basics classes, you are going to go through it and get your uh, basics of the Bible. That, that you don't have to worry about what you don't know, that's what that is. Christian essentials, the same way, that you begin to understand more and more what the Bible says, and you can get to a point where you are comfortable with a Bible, reading it, and, and that it's you and God, that, that him speaking to you as, as you read through those things. That is so important. Because this is what you need to understand as we look at this. You do not get to know God better by praying. I'm going to say that one more time. You do not get to know God better by praying. As a matter of fact, you know what, who you do get to know better by praying? is yourself. Because what you can do is go back and look at your own prayers. You'll find what is most important in your life. You'll find out what you are dealing with. And, and you'll find out what is on your heart. But if you want to find out what's on God's heart, you need to listen to him. And the place where he still speaks today is in his word, in his word in the Bible. And that's why it's important for us to gather around. That's what Jesus did. And we have those words of Jesus. We go on. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. This is probably the biggest reason why people who don't go to church don't want, think that they don't want a place like this. I don't need this. I don't need to be judged by other people. I don't need to be singled out. I don't need to have all my dirty laundry aired in front of other people. And in the blank, you can write, many people feel that church is a place where I get singled out and humiliated for past sins and indiscretions. And as you, you look at that, that might, that's probably about as accurate as my description of people who go to Sprouts. Maybe there are a few people like that. I'm not saying there's not. But I'm saying as, as a group and as a whole, that, that's definitely not who Jesus is. But what I found is there are people, maybe, I don't know if you ever have, you have friends who don't go to church and stuff, I have had so many people tell me, I think if I went into church, the walls would fall in. That this would be a place where it would just... And the thing about it is, I thought they were joking. They're not. That they look back at their past and they go, there is not a place for me. God has not made a place for me. And, and I know that enough. I don't need someone else to pile on me to make me feel worse. We continue. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And, and Jesus knew this. This wasn't about this woman. It's not even about what she had done. 
what they were trying to do was trap Jesus. They were trying to either to get to say, kill her, because that's what Moses said to do, and if, and if he said that, they would be able to arrest him because only the Roman government had the power to execute. So they would be able to, that would be the ideal is they could arrest him. Or if they said, you know what, don't kill her, then they would be able to say, you will go against the law of Moses. You're not really a follower of the true God. You're a fake, you're a fraud, you're a phony. Either way, they would have had a basis to say, don't listen to Jesus anymore. Uh, you can fill in the blank, and that is others use church as a place where power can be abused and personal agendas are given a platform. I'm just going to tell you both of those things have happened at churches. They have. And so I understand why individuals would say, that is not a place for me. I don't need that, and and I don't want to be a part of it. And I think at this time is where you need to take a step back then and say, okay, um, that would be like me saying, I got got bad food at a grocery store once, therefore Sprouts is a horrible store. And that's just not accurate. You can't lump everything together. You can't lump all of them, the experiences in church, just because there's churches that do wrong and have hurt people doesn't mean they always do. And in the same way, we don't want to lump together. We we don't want to judge every one of them. But even more importantly than that is a recognition that in the midst of this, even though this woman would have rather been in any other place than this right now, we're going to see there's still a place with Jesus. We go on. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. This is probably the most confusing part is when Jesus stoops down and starts to write on the ground because we don't know what he wrote. And you can, you can guess if you want. There's a bunch of conjecture on what he wrote, but I'm not even going to get into that because the Bible doesn't tell us that. And so it would simply be guessing. But what we do know is in the midst of this that Jesus did take a time out, that, that he just... And, and that part of it is a takeaway that maybe for you might be important. And that is in the midst of this, when there is high emotion in whatever is being discussed, when they, there is high emotion in situations where truth is being shared and, and, and specific sin is being addressed, that very often emotions do get the best of us. And that's when we take, need to take a deep breath and, and, and think clearly Uh, about the next words that are going to come out of our mouth. In the blank, you can write, Jesus provides a mirror to turn our outrage over the sins of others to opportunity to work on ourselves. Jesus provides a mirror to turn our outrage over the sins of others to opportunity to work on ourselves. Another way you can say these same words, and, and it just, 
And it made me think about it as I was going through this. I, I don't remember who taught me these words, but I remember them saying it. And that is, Dan, if you want to stay sane in your ministry, never let anyone else's sins bother you more than your own. And at the time, I'm like, oh, it, it stuck with me. But I'm telling you, having been a pastor for 27 years, I've seen a lot, and I've seen a lot of sin, and I've seen a lot of hurtful um, behavior. And, I, and it could lead me to say, I think probably most people are worse than me. But the reality of it is that truth of not the outrage that I have towards others is an outrage I need to have towards my own sin. And, and, and so the reason why I think it is this, is your sins don't condemn me to hell. Mine do. And so as we look at that, and even to the extent that I, I know God's word more, I, I can, when I look at this, I say, I know better. I know what God says. I, I have so many reasons why that as I look at that, the disappointment I have in myself and, and to recognize how deep an issue I have despite what you have. One other way that I would put it and, and, and how this summarizes it is this, is we are all on the spiritual Titanic. We are all on the spiritual Titanic and it's going down. That, that because of sin, it's a sinking ship and everyone on board is going to die. And, and when you think of it that way, just because someone's in a lower compartment on the ship doesn't make any difference. It just might happen sooner for them than later. And that is what Jesus is trying to get us to see, is if we are going to really be concerned about all these, this condemnation, that we need to understand that. The next words. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left and the woman still standing there. On hearing these words of Jesus, slowly there was the, the thump, the thud of each one of these stones that they were holding and ready to throw being dropped. Because what they realized in, in, in their desire to make this about something completely different about Jesus and his ministry and about this woman, what, what they were missing was this fact that, again, they were in the same boat. And as you consider this, maybe another way to help you might be the second commandment. The second commandment is do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And, and if you want a, an explanation of it, one explanation is this. You shall not misuse the na name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not curse or swear or use his name superstitiously, but call on God's name in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. Now, growing up, when I was told you don't want to use curse words or swear words, those were usually the, the four-letter off-colored words that my mom didn't like us using and would wash our mouth out with soap if we did. But I want you to think about cursing. Cursing in particular 
is damning someone to hell. That's what that means. And so technically, when you think of cursing, it's saying to hell with you. It's pronouncing judgment. It's saying I'm the judge, the jury, and the executioner telling you that I am using God's name to bring about your, your condemnation immediately so that your time of, of being able to be forgiven is over. And, and God makes it very clear, that is not why I have given you my name. There is no other name given by God, given among men, whereby we must be saved. That in the midst of it, God's name is meant to be the lifeboat, the, the, the life jacket, whatever you want to call it, the lifesaver that is thrown to those who are in the Titanic, not the way that we push the heads of others underwater towards judgment that, yeah, they might deserve, but so do we. In the blank, you can write, Jesus offers a place where I can lay down my stones lay down my stones of judgment and begin my work of repentance. Lay down my stones of judgment and begin my work of repentance. (laughs) This is, I'm just telling you that most likely you relate more or less to either this woman, if you have done something in your life where you have really screwed up badly, you know this and you know that you're like this woman where you're just like, I was found out, it was horrible, and and there are people probably who still hate you for what you've done and probably always will. And and so that is this, that, that is why you can relate to this. Or if you've, you, you've seen people who, are, who do get caught or, or something really bad happens, they find an incredible amount of comfort in this story with Jesus continuing to stand by her. And then, but if not, you might be a person who has never been really had something big like this where you've never been exposed and I'm telling you, if, if you are someone who goes to church a lot and you always have, this is probably you. And so the way that this shows itself, that, that probably the most, is when individuals come to me and suggest a, a sermon or a sermon series against a specific sin that they don't have an issue with. That I think you need to preach against this or, or, or against that or against this group of people. You know, and so the way that this sermon then get preached, you've heard of preaching to the choir? Well, in the old days, the choir used to, to, uh, to, to sit behind the pastor and the, the people would be there. And preaching to the choir is where you talk about all those people who are out there and the choir goes, yep. You're right, that the choir in that way becomes the stone throwers, those who are in their robes, who are all better than everyone else, the holier-than-thou type of attitude. And I'm telling you, there is a place for this woman besides Jesus, but there is not a place next to Jesus for people who hold stones, and definitely not who throw them.
One. One person in this account could have thrown a stone. And he didn't even have one in his hand. And that was Jesus. If there was condemnation, and there will be a day, there will be a day, Jesus is the one, there will be a day to come to judge, but it's not this day, it's not today. And definitely not for this woman, not on that day. And so he offered her grace. Unconditional love, unconditional. Despite the condition of what she had done and the punishment she deserved, on this day she understood that she received a free gift of forgiveness. Jesus could have told her, I'm going to let these stones hit me because that is what was done on the cross. That, that finally a debt had to be paid for her sin, but it wasn't paid by her, it was paid by God. And the one who received it was the one without sin. Oh my goodness. Let the one without sin receive the first stone? That's exactly what Jesus Christ did. Lay down your stones. There are, they, there's no room for them next to Christ. And finally, uh, the last words, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. No one ever quotes that one. I'm just going to tell you in my ministry, I've heard, I have heard, lay down your stones, don't judge me, everything like that. But that was not the end of the conversation with her. The end of the conversation was, having been shown grace, I hope you're ready for a little bit of truth. And that truth is, is if you continue on the way that you are living your life right now, you are going to be stoned. But, but not by, by these people. You are going to receive the judgment of God. And, and so the, the, this is all about a difference in tone, that Jesus is not saying this in a judgment, in a condemnation way, but we also need to have difficult conversations that are full of grace, strong in grace, and strong in truth. If you are living in sin right now, you must stop. But what Jesus was offering was not just a threat that you are going to be hurt or harmed if, if you continue in that way. But he was also offering a grace. He was offering, don't do the right thing because you're, you're possible punishment, but do the right thing because you are loved and you are washed and you are different. It is a, a, a gospel motivation. Last night at our resilient meeting, we went through, and, and it's the verses of Paul, set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. And what this woman had seen is she had had her heart set on earthly things, and when you do that, it gets you in trouble. But now, as you set your heart on heavenly things, then he goes on to say, put to death whatever has to do with your sinful nature. Put to death what has to do with you being selfish and self-centered and wanting to do these things. In essence, he's saying, leave your life of sin. You need to leave those things behind you. All of this under the title of a place for me. In the blank, you can write, there is a place for me with Jesus where I receive grace. And those words, neither do I condemn you, 
and the truth. Leave your life of sin. Crosswalk is not for everyone. And not everyone wants to stand next to Christ for that matter either. Very often people want to hear grace or truth. Jesus never does one or the other. It's always both. Grace and truth come together all of the time. And that is where we are at today, preaching the law and gospel, grace and truth. And it's a difficult message that this isn't something that most people church shop for. But it's something in the midst of their shopping that they find something better than what they wanted. And and in essence, what they find is something that they need. And so I encourage you one last time, as you look at whether or not this is a place for me, very often I know a place is not a place for me instantly. Like I can walk in and go, yeah, we're not staying here, we're out. But if someplace is a place for me, it takes a little more time. It seems all right, and then you get to know more and more about it. But I'm telling you, both for sprouts and the soul food, you don't get to find out what it's truly like online. One day, I'm going to have to, if I truly want to know, I need to walk through the doors and, and test it out. And that is my prayer for you. You've already done that by virtue of being here. Uh, those of you who are online, maybe you're not quite there yet. So that's the invitation for you. But the second part of this then has to do also with groups. I'm not saying groups are for everyone. And I'm not, indefinitely, not every group is for everyone. But they are a place where you can meet with Jesus. Especially Crosswalk University. If you're looking for knowledge of the Bible, that's the place for you to be. But the other one, the impact groups have to do with your relationship with others around God's word. There, I don't know if there's a place for you at Crosswalk. I pray there is, and I ask you to keep looking for that. But there is a place for you next to Christ. Earned for you by him. It's a place of grace where you are told that you are loved and a place of truth where you are encouraged to leave sin behind and go and live for him. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you have truly made a place for me, a place for each one of us next to you. And we thank you so much, Lord, that as we look at that, it goes back to your forgiveness and everything that you've earned for us. And now, Lord, as we go from here, help each person to find a place where they belong, a place where they can have their faith nurtured with your word, a place where they can have their faith, uh, an opportunity to express it and act on it in groups and in ministry uh, and, and all of these different opportunities, Lord, to live for you. We thank you uh, that you do give us grace and truth. And now, Lord, help us to live in it. Uh, every day of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. 
This is your final encouragement to go to cwlk.church and uh, look on those growth groups. If you want to know more about them, there are descriptions on that page, but uh, this is the way that you begin to go through that doorway to find a place for you, a place where you belong, uh, not only here at Crosswalk, but also with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Have a great day.